You are listening to Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. The the motorbike out and leave it here. Oh, the XR650? Yeah. <laughs> That's Kenny's like, are you fucking kidding me laugh? I can recognize that from a mile away. <laughs> yeah, that means uh, that means no. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Just Riding Long, brought to you by Man Buns. And just Man Buns, because, yeah, and ironic mustaches and vests. I saw a lot of those over the weekend. Um, do you have any idea where I was? You were in the Lo High neighborhood <laughs> of Denver. The Lo yeah. High, which I, I, saw another, uh, I saw another neighborhood name that was similar to that. It was like two... Lodo. No, it was like, well, maybe, I don't know, but I, it was like, oh yeah, it was R-I, like capital R, little I, big N, little O, like Reno. The Reno, which I'm assuming is just as man bunalicious as Lohi. Um, so is that, is that like a, is that like a club or something? Uh, no, no, it's so- a part of town. If, imagine like the trendy parts of Nashville. Like what those, you know, the people who inhabit those places, um, that's pretty much what Lohi is. Imagine if Cooper Young was the size of Midtown. Gotcha. Yeah. Like think about how like you could get a deeper heart to that area so you could get like a weirder weird in that area. Uh, it's not really weird people. It's just young, very, very hipster That's what people. I mean, like pushing like – like, oh, everyone I'm surrounded by every day is a hipster, so I gotta be even fucking hipper. Yeah, so I, I gotta be those people, man. The people that like they see someone do some weird shit, and they're like, "Well, everybody around me is doing weird shit and dresses weird, so like the only way I can fit in is to be like even fucking weirder for the sake of being weird." And it's really sad. Yeah, so this used to be like a Hispanic uh, community, and it's been gentrificationified, and uh, now it is full of hipsters. And very expensive condos. <laughs> <laughs> and a bike shop. Um, I actually worked this weekend. I started on... Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> I'll tell that story in a second. Um, <laughs> I started at the C3 bike shop in... Um, well, I, w- I started in Golden. There are three locations. There's Golden, there's Low High, and then there's one on East Colfax over on the east side of town. Um, uh, I have not been to that one yet, but um, I worked, uh, let's see, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at Golden, and then I worked um, Friday, or no, sorry, Saturday at the Low High store on Tejon Street, that is T-E-J-O-N Street, Um, and while I was there, so there's a restaurant right next door to the bike shop. And there's a shared back hallway, and so we share a bathroom, or, you know, the bathrooms are shared between the people in the restaurant, um, along with uh, the bike shop. And uh, the restaurant, the the waiters uh, all have very ironic mustaches. Um, one has a man bun. They wear vests and uh, very dapper, hip clothing. Uh, that's the sort of restaurant it is. I'm sure it's delicious. I'm not saying it's a bad place to go. And I'm sure if I went there, I would spend a lot of money and have really good food. But anyway, um, 
I guess a woman from the restaurant was in the bathroom when I went in there to wash my hands. She is sitting in a stall and talking on the phone, having a conversation with somebody. Uh, and I washed my hands, and it had one of those um, those hand dryers that's like tornadic. Excuse me. Excuse me. So that was our simulation um, of what happened because when I started drying my hands, uh, she started. She said, excuse me, I'm on the phone. And then I just started drying my hands again before I walked out because they weren't all the way dry. Um, but, yeah, that was uh, – it, it's a cool shop. I mean, it's a really, really neat shop. And, you know, I – I don't dislike the 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 people and the culture surrounding it. I just find it to be somewhat entertaining and amusing. I laugh at it and not with it. Yeah, if somebody did that in the men's room, I would lose my shit on them. Because that that would be that's the Hold single on. dumbest. Hold on. So if you're in the men's life. room, losing your shit on them, would you go like full ape style and like? Pearl poop over the top of the stall at them because I need to know if Kenny, like if full face Kenny, is going to be like overhand, like slam dunking poop into a stall. They deserve it. I mean, that's ridiculous. Like, who the fuck thinks that's acceptable behavior? Like, what? At what fucking? At what fucking point is society going to completely implode? Somebody is upset because there's noise in the fucking bathroom. And there's <laughs> there's bathroom-related noise. If I really – if I could have mustered up just a giant juicy fart right then, I would have. I would I have mean, dried would, my what hands. What I would have done is I would have been like, bitch, are you fucking serious? <laughs> like, hey, give me your phone. I want to talk to your friend and tell him that you're fucking disgusting for talking to you on this shit. Well, when I walked out, like I, I finished drying my hands because I was drying my hands and – like, as I stopped and walked out, I heard her be like, sorry, I'm in the bathroom. <laughs> it's no different than that dude on the Bluetooth who, like, walks up, jawing, having this conversation at the urinal. And he, like, look over and he looks at you like you're the insane one because some dude just walked up and was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, man, I know. I know. I get it. And you look over like, what, what? the hell are you talking about? And he's like, his ear blinks at you and you're like, you... I get it. You're pissing, but you could announce, be like, "I'm on the phone." Like, or you could just not talk on the phone when you're in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah be just... like, "Hey, hang on a second. Let me call you back. I'm about to go. Like, I'm about to go to the bathroom." Yeah. Anyway, I just I don't get people. Like, they're just so people are so fucking self involved. It drives me batty. But anyway, she uh, had man buns on the mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's the word of the day. Every time you every time you cut off someone's man bun, God destroys an armadillo. Yeah. So if you take a pair of hedge trimmers. Someone did that in a YouTube video I saw, but I still like I thought of it in and my head. Snap off someone's man bun. I will and you video it. Don't send it to me because that person probably turns around and bludgeons you to death with their like PBR fueled rage. <laughs> Anyways, um I think over the last week, Kenny and and uh, the two of us went to polar opposite places. <laughs> yeah, uh, Kenny went to a place that was very populated, um, ridiculously easy to get to, and a place that most people don't don't share all their stories from. And and we went to a place that's kind of hard to get to, and everyone wants to hear about your stories from going. Okay. 
Are you talking about the Nike race, or are you talking about Evans? Um, I'm talking about Mount Evans. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, Kenny, why don't you tell us about uh, about where you went first? Yeah, so I went to Interbike, which, uh, as most people know, is in Vegas, which I like Vegas a lot, but that's just me. But, you know, I like to uh, throw down every once in a while and gamble and drink. And uh, so it's pretty fun for me, but uh, I didn't really get to do any of that on this trip, unfortunately. Yeah, I was going to say, was... like, did you actually get to party on with Joel and Joe? No, no. Well, I mean, it's Joel. Like, you know, Joel <laughs> doesn't really drink or party, but, uh, I mean, he was fine. Everything was good, uh, but it was really all business. And honestly, it was too really really long days i've never walked so goddamn much in my life it fucking sucked <laughs> it was awful like horribly awful but uh and also just the the sheer amount of space forget actually getting to the expo every morning and like going to lunch and all that other kind of stuff but once you're actually there the square footage the place takes up is absolutely out of control like you get lost i had to pull out maps all the time uh-huh. and like go look around for stuff. And so that was completely insane. But basically the, uh, the gist of it is we had meetings pretty much all throughout the day with, uh, with our big, uh, reps. So, you know, whatever, Holly and quality and, uh, Santa Cruz and et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, so we didn't really just wander around and do our own thing. We kind of listened to the spiel of all the new stuff. Um, and it was mildly entertaining. We saw some cool stuff, saw a bunch of stuff I don't care about. Um, but you know, for the most part, it's good. It just kind of gives you a good, uh, a good view of what's going on in general, and kind of like where, where the market is wanting to go. Not necessarily where it's going, but where people think it's going by creating products and all that other kind of nonsense. But uh, for the most part, it was a good experience. Just really busy and really tiring. Um, what stood out? I, there's probably some products I, I guess I can talk about pretty much everything, but. There's really nothing like groundbreaking and completely revolutionary or anything. Um, let's see. So tons of e-bikes. So I know we talk about e-bikes all the time, and I really I don't want to talk about it too much if it's going to piss people off. Um, That's fine. But basically, they had like damn near a quarter of the square footage of the show was e-bike related. So they had like an e-bike test track which was pretty cool. <laughs> and I definitely spent a couple hours there. And, <laughs> and I saw some really funny shit. So uh, I'll talk about that. But um, tons of vendors of e-bikes from like super backyard, sketchy, home-done conversions uh-huh. to like some of the slickest stuff I've ever seen, like really well-done stuff. Um, and then everything in between and every vendor. So Bosch was there, who makes mid-drive systems. Uh, Shimano was there. Um, who else was there? Um, who are the other big ones? There's uh, Bionics was there, uh, and a whole bunch of other ones. So really interesting on that part. And I've ridden some e-bikes before, but I never got a chance to ride so damn many back-to-back-to-back-to-back, Do you have which a was pretty cool. So the two that I liked a lot were the Bionics. You're dead to uh, me. I drove. No, yeah, I rode. I would totally. A, if I was no, going to commute, no, I would totally no, get one no, if no, I no, had that no, much no, money. No. The two you hated the least. <laughs> so here's the thing. I will tell you what I where I think e-bikes where they shine right now, where they're at. And this also goes with like what the re, the only way that I would personally use one. So in the kind of commuting spectrum, I think on like a full blown road bike or on a full blown mountain bike. 
they're really fucking silly. But on that kind of hybrid bike, think for me, my favorite one right now is going to be think 27 and a half plus tire, like a 2.5 to 2.8 semi slick tire, lots of air volume, lots of grip, rigid fork, real simple. Um, keep it on road all the time and have like a medium amount of power and keep the bike relatively light. And they're actually really fun. Yeah, we have uh, for, a, did you drive a drive? Did you drive a, a BMC? I think it's called a Stromer. Uh, yes, I did. That's we actually have one in the shop and it's kind of like, I mean, it's for sale, but it's also like the shop run to the store vehicle. Sure. So the Stromer brand is, I believe Swiss. Okay. And they make some really, really nice shit. So almost all their stuff is like $6,000 plus. Uh And in fact, they had a DI2 XTR 1x11 with their like fanciest setup. (laughs) And it was really, really, really nice. One of the smoothest riding bikes, like very intuitive, really good fit and finish. There's not wires hanging out everywhere. It's got like a little LCD. It sits in the top tube. Yeah. Um, it's just, it was a really well done bike, but I mean, so insanely expensive that, you know, it better be awesome is basically the way, the way I think of it. So anyway, with all that said, the two systems that I liked the best, and I rode them on different bikes, different manufacturers and all that, um, were the bionic system, which is a hub drive and the Bosch, um, mid drive system, like the crank driven one. And those were both pretty smooth. Like they weren't jerky. They didn't do weird stuff when you got out of pedaling. Um, you know, I'm not an e-bike expert. I haven't ridden everything, but I did ride quite a bit of stuff out there. Uh, and those were the best. I was very underwhelmed with the Shimano system. I would think that they would have it like dialed cause it's Shimano, but, uh, it was kind of jerky and like, I, I just not, I was not very impressed with it at all. Um, well, I wrote some like, you should just leave it under full power all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I rode some like backyard conversions, which were horrible. Um, using like some straight China shit. Uh, and they, you know, just, it's the same thing as the damn, uh, LED segment. They advertise like, oh yeah, our shit's 2000 lumens. And somebody actually does a test and it's 500. And that's exactly what this is. Some guy's like, yeah, this is the thousand watt mid drive. It's so badass. You're like going to kill yourself. And I wrote it and I was like the biggest piece of shit I've ever written. So it was like the, it made that same noise that the little cart at the grocery store makes like, Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like slow, but it felt like a 350 watt system, not a thousand. So, you know, we're going to start calling you e-bike Kenny instead of full face Kenny. Yeah. It was interesting to me because I haven't really ever spent time in it. So it was fun to kind of step back and like forget about all the legislation and people getting pissed about e-bikes and just looking at them as a product and seeing which one worked the best. Right. So like forget about all the politics and all that crap Um, because I'm a tech guy deep down. I like all that stuff. I can nerd out over like programming speed controllers and all that. I think it's fascinating. Um, so I thought it was pretty cool. I wouldn't mind having a commuter style e-bike. I think that could be a lot of fun. Uh, but I'm going to see if I can ride the Stromer home someday. I'll yeah. The in, Stromer put Indy in, in a backpack. I don't know which model you guys have, but the, all the ones I rode were pretty damn nice. And I'm assuming they're all like the newest ones since it's, yeah, I don't internet, know. it's, but, it's red. I can tell you that. <laughs> Great. Uh, <laughs> but what else? Uh, oh, the other cool thing. So forgetting e-bikes for a minute, I went to Las Vegas, and that was really cool. Uh, I had no idea. I just didn't do my homework. I had no idea that it was a UCI World Cup race this year. Yeah. And like, holy crap, that was pretty cool. Uh-huh. Uh, tons of people. 
I have never seen more beer consumed in my entire life, including like monster truck rallies and all that stuff. <laughs> so that part was pretty hilarious. And we had like a really good spot in like a tent with food and beer. And uh, so that part was really, Got really cool. Got those VIP passes. Yeah, it was awesome. So uh, that part was really neat. I uh, got to watch. I watched pretty much all the races. The uh, the amateur race, which is the uh, like wheelers and dealers. So all the uh, all the actual like interbike participants are welcome to race. They have their own race, and it is apparently booked out super early. Uh, so there's 150 people there. That was really cool to watch. Um, then watch the women's pro race and the uh, the men's pro race. So really, really cool, and just like mad respect to those folks because the top people there, both men and women, were absolutely freaking bonkers. I mean, oh, yeah. so fast. It's almost like they're paid to do that shit. Yeah, exactly. It was, I mean, it's just so, so impressive. And even the last person in the pro category was so fast and they looked so good. Like if you, (laughs) if you didn't have a frame of reference watching the fastest and you saw one of these folks go do the course, you'd be like, yeah, that's the fastest person I've ever seen in my entire life. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he fast. (laughs) Yeah. No, it was really, it was really, really cool. Yeah. I mean, even like, you know, the women's category the quote slowest woman there right she was still absolutely killing it that's so, good to really, know because i did it last year and i wasn't last place in the pro women's category <laughs> awesome yeah um but yeah i mean it was full bore uci uh world cup i mean it was it was really neat so you know uh jeremy powers was there and all those folks so really cool to see that uh what else happened that's about it nothing else too exciting. Other than that, it's really just all business at Interbike. Just uh, listen to people's uh, spiels about new products and all that stuff. But nothing like really, really caught my eye. To be honest, it's all everything was pretty evolutionary for the most part. Did uh, you see stuff, the uh, Industry Nine, the new tool through Excel thing? I glanced at it, but I didn't. I like saw it in passing, oh, but I didn't man. actually I wanna, like sit there. I want to play with, with that. And see if I like it or not. Like, I can't decide if I like it or not. I don't know. I really wish. It was one of the many things that I just didn't have time to, like, sit down and do. Because the thing is, you don't realize a lot of times you walk by a booth and they've got, like, a little cool little nugget, but it's hidden away. Unless you really talk to people and really look at every last thing in the booth, you're not going to find it. And you just don't have time to do that. I mean, it would have taken me to me for me to look at every product that was there, forgetting some of the crap, like, you know, the China direct booths and the stuff I just don't ever want to look at. Um, and you BMX, could, I looked the at the BMX section. Well, the BMX section is all downstairs. So you don't I'm, even. Oh, they moved it? Well, it was all in the same place. So BMX was like its own section. It oh. was all on one. Everything was on one floor. Okay, but it was uh, like it was a corner, set up this year. right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was a little section and I, I just avoided it. I did see Sean Burns and I wanted to take a picture with him because uh, he's insane. Um, that was cool. If you you could avoid though the BMX stuff, the China carbon stuff, and the apparel like Chrome and Giro. Well, the only thing is, almost everything had apparel. Like, God, well, there's so much apparel; it's out of control. But I mean, you could only look at the the hard goods, and you still couldn't see it all. Exactly. Like it is that there's so much shit. I mean, it's basically it's like seventy five percent of everything you can possibly buy is there. <laughs> it's crazy. Totally crazy. So, I mean, it was cool, and at the same time, it was a little kind of overwhelming and uh, a little bit too big. But hey, it is what it is, and um, 
you know, there's a lot of cool stuff and there's, it's, it's a big industry that we're in. So it lets you definitely see that for sure. Uh, that's really all my interbike story. I don't really have anything else. Uh, what else went on? That's really about it. I haven't been doing a lot of riding. My knees a little acting up a little bit. So from I've been, all the walking on concrete that you did. No, I mean not just that, but before that, when I did the hard knocks race, oh, uh, it was kind of bothering me then. So I'm just letting it cool off a little bit, and I'm not trying to do anything dumb. Cool. Uh, so like riding wise, I don't have any really good stories. Like I put this oval ring on my bike, and I haven't even had a chance to ride it. It's just been sitting <laughs> in the pad, so. Yeah, you're supposed re- to be giving us a review of that. I know. You need I to know. just take four ibuprofen and go for a ride so we can <laughs> satisfy our, our listeners. Exactly. So that is that is coming up. I will let you guys know what that's like. Yeah. Uh, that's it. That's all I got. What have oh. you guys been up to? We we rode to Mount well, Evans yesterday. That, um, oh, Matt's got to tell something else. Before, So we didn't do a show last week because Kenny was going to Vegas. But the weekend before that, I went to – Leadville and supported the Colorado High School Mountain Bike League race, and I found out something really sketchy that you can do. <laughs> what? So at these races, um, on winds on I got there Friday afternoon. Uh, I drove straight to the course and I set up and I was I was pretty much going by like three fifteen, and at six thirty. Uh, Kate, the lady that runs the Colorado High School League, the director, she comes over and tells them who's waiting to get their bikes worked on. Okay, you're last because I don't get to eat dinner until he goes home with us and eats dinner. So she cut off service on Friday night. Saturday, I was there from 6.45 to 6.15. And then Sunday, I was back on course at 6.45 and Colorado has two leagues right now. They have a north and a south. So on Friday afternoon, uh, and this it doesn't matter because they alternate weekends for who's home on Sunday afternoon and who's not. But what they do is on Friday, the north practices. And then Saturday morning, the north races. And then Saturday afternoon, the south practices. And Sunday morning, the south races. So Saturday afternoon everyone was on course. They're either wrecking their bike mid-race or coming in for practice and, you know, falling apart and realizing their bikes didn't work. Um, it was really hard. I mean, I was, I was pretty busy. I was putting people to work. I was making people go fill up my water bottles. Like, kid would come in and be like, can you work my bike? I'd be like, can you go fill up my water bottle? Someone would come by with their parents and I'd be like, can you make sure no one touches my tools? I have to use the restroom. Like, you know, it was, it was a really cool experience. Um, there was lots of people that worked really hard. On Sunday when I got there, there was a guy on course on his single speed. Like, I was finishing setting up to work that day and there was a dude that was riding he was coming up the finishing part of the course and he was riding his bike with full winter gear on to stay warm with a headlight on because he had went out and triple checked the course markings that morning to make sure that everything was going to go smoothly. You know, so even though I was there earlier, there was someone there earlier than me. There was someone there already on their bike, already on course, already making it happen. Um, and this is something that's really important to me because when I raced BMX 
all of my absences from school were unexcused because it wasn't a school sport and my little bumblefuck Tennessee town didn't recognize it as important. So the fact that there's a, a high school affiliated and a high school endorsed league and like to hear this girl talk about how like jersey pockets are so handy and like one day she wore a jersey to school and it was so cool because she kept her pencils in her jersey and like stab herself in the back uh to hear that that like she's wearing her jersey to school is just like heartwarming to me so i'm really happy and uh, i'm sure ben can put up a link to where he talked with kate a while back about high school racing um but it made me really happy and honestly it, it was a privilege to come out and help everyone have a good weekend there was there was only two people that i had to put in line and tell them hey this is not why we're here. Everyone's here to help you. We're doing what we can and, and just calm down. Like, um, but the thing that I learned is at Leadville, it was very dusty. It was extremely dusty. Uh, I wish that I'd had a bandana to wear in the pits because it was, it was that nasty outside. And you have all these high school kids that are a hundred and something pounds and no joke, there was, what was it? There was three or four kids that came to me, and their suspension forks had just stopped working. <laughs> um, like steel stanchion. Well, just suspension forks in general. They had ran out of oil. They had, they had locked up. Like, they did not have that first inch and a half of travel that they should have. Like, you you could slam the fork on the ground, and sure, it would move. But if you leaned into it gently, there was just like... You couldn't overcome the coefficient it, of friction. It was like the high speed or the low speed compression was like a million. Like you just couldn't get it to move unless you rammed it into something. And it was really bumpy. Um, and uh, the the first kid that came to me with that, luckily it was the kid with the cheapest fork that had that problem all weekend. It was a steel stanchioned hunk of junk RST fork. And I rammed a pick behind the fork seal. And I say rammed, like I worked it in there without like cramming it into the stanchion too hard. I mean, but it's a steel stanchion. It's a steel stanchion fork. It's not, I would have had to have been really rough to hurt it. But I squirted some Duomontech free hub oil down into the uppers uh, behind the fork seal. And then I squirted a little chain lube in behind that to help rinse it in and did that to both sides. And cycled them like 20 or 25 times. And no joke, those forks came back alive. <laughs> like 100%. Like this fork went from having no plushness, no small bump compliance to like, no joke, it went to like buttery again. And I did that to an RST fork and I did it to a steel stanchion. To, uh, I think it's like the the what? Recon or the XC32 or whatever the, the steel stanchion like not reba fork is man i can see you getting all excited you're like hey kid let me see your fox 40 <laughs> um well i got a trick no i guess it was an xc32 and then there was at least one kid with a recon and i was like look this fork needs to be rebuilt this is the problem these are the issues it it has to be rebuilt i can't do anything to this you here like turn it upside down and try to cycle its own was it just all the way like it's just done like the the steel stanchion rock shock that i had was it had rubber streaks on the stanchion 
Like the yeah. stanchion had rubber from the seal on it. And I'm like, this is bad. I've seen quite a few customer foxes that do that. <laughs> I mean, if you just, if you're like, well, it leaked and then it, it stopped leaking. No, it ran out of shit to leak. Um, but <laughs> It stopped leaking, so I didn't bring it in. <laughs> you know, I, I really, I really had a great time doing that. Not just squirting lube inside of forks through the seals. Not that. Uh, I really had a great time helping with the race, and I'm really glad that I got to go. It was a great experience. And if you are able to, and you have the means, whether it be through time or you know monetary capabilities or whatever, go help a kid in your community race bikes. If that means that you you buy ten inner tubes and take to the to the uh, to the practice and drop them off with the coach and say, "Hey, this way you guys have plenty of tubes for your upcoming race." Or you buy them a big big pack of shop rags and two bottles of chain lube and take to them, you know, or or go buy and uh, you know buy a coach lunch one day at school. Do something because there's people that are doing great things for what's not our ball and stick sports. That's really the next generation of people that are going to not only ride bikes, but the way that we treat them today as adults is the blueprint for how they're going to grow up and treat people when they're adults. And these are the people that are going to be running shit when we're old. So let's (laughs) help them enjoy bikes and make some decent fucking people for the future. And, you know, I actually, I had a person in the, in the shop, um, a couple weeks back, um, and I was talking about um, about how some companies will offer like a high school mountain bike sponsorship for bikes. And he's like, you know, I don't really agree with that. You know, if you to look at any other kids' sports, you know, football, soccer, baseball, all that, like no one gives them sponsorships. So, like mom and dad have to buy like all that equipment. You know, there's no reason to teach kids that they deserve a sponsorship just because they're doing this. And it's like, well, if that's the difference between them doing it or not, then they should do it. I mean, I understand where that person's coming from. But also, but I, like, cycling's... We're comparing some different stuff because, you know, yeah. buying a decent hardtail mountain bike, like, you know, say it's 1500 bucks, which is really not, in the grand scheme of things, as far as bicycles go, that's not expensive. Yeah. But to the average person who's, you know used to buying like school supplies. So say you're in the public school system and you buy what school supplies and like you have to pay for like a field trip here and there, that kind of stuff. A $1,500 purchase to participate in a school sport is like pretty freaking serious. So, I mean, I don't know what other sports end up costing and I know that a lot of it depends on the school. Um, I know a lot of schools provide all that stuff, you know, like football pads and all that other kind of stuff. And I know some schools make you buy that stuff or maybe – they let you buy it if you choose to, if you want like nicer stuff or stuff that fits better. I don't yeah. know how all that stuff works, but I'm thinking even football stuff, like if you have to buy everything, like helmet, pads, cleats, well, all the, that stuff, there's the no thing. way that costs 1500 bucks. And there's also no way that you just ride your bike in your school clothes. You still need a helmet. You still need gloves, jerseys, chamois. And you need to maintain your bike too. Yeah. Like there's a – I mean – it's bad because we're making it sound like it's an insanely expensive thing and it doesn't necessarily have to be, but it's definitely not cheap. So it definitely has the potential to be cost prohibitive. And, and for what it's worth, there was one kid whose bike was really bad. And 
I told the direct Kate about it after Friday. I was like, this kid's bike is just not great. She's like, who is it? I'm like, I don't know. She's like, well, I wish you knew. And she wasn't like getting on to me. She was just like, I wish you knew who it was. And the next day I saw him again and I got his number plate number. Cause that's like universal. Like, well, there's the kid's bike. His numbers on his bike. That's the kid. And I told her, I'm like, Hey, this is the kid. She's like, yeah, we need to talk to them and see if there's anything we can do to help him get on a nicer bike. You know, so yeah. there are avenues for people that are out there making a serious effort to race, and their their stuff's just all jalopy. So well, I, I don't I don't want to go. You know, I I, well, I think they should maybe provide sorry. you. Covered. Sorry. Well, what I was gonna say is when you like that person who's saying, yeah, you know, my if if your kid's doing this sport or this sport or this sport, you know, parents have to pay for all that, or you know, they. That it's an expense for us, but it's like most kids doing those sports, they're lucky if they still do it like in college. Cycling is something that you can do at the, you know, like all of your life. It is a little cost prohibitive, but it's going to, in the end, like provide you with health and enjoyment, even if you're never even competitive with it. Like if, if high school mountain bike racing is the last competitive cycling event you do you can keep ha- riding bikes and having a great time and be really healthy and just have that as a good hobby and that's a, that doesn't carry over with the other sports i don't think as well as it does with cycling i know you can still keep doing you know like adult amateur league like church basketball and like that kind of stuff that's that's fine but and everything but it's just not as i don't think it's as um easy, you know, or as common as just saying like, I'm going to go ride my bike for fun and health. I think that's a really, really good point. Uh, because again, like, just like you said, how often do you see somebody and I'm not dogging baseball and football and all that and soccer, but I just never see those people play in near the same capacity as they did say in high school. Cause like everybody you knew in high school, for the most part, they did something, you know, they played like tennis or soccer or baseball or football but then after that, nobody messes with it. Like very few people do. Like somebody might join a kickball league or a softball league, you know, like 20 years later. As an excuse to go drink. Yeah, generally. Or, you know, or to go like meet women or whatever the hell they're doing. But like they don't generally – It's not. it doesn't seem like they want to genuinely play the sport for the sake of playing the sport. You know what I mean? So right. I think it's a really, really good point. And I think that's something that's very different with like running and cycling and, and – there's definitely a bunch of other uh, other sports that are much more long-lasting compared to your traditional, uh, like Matt said, stick-and-ball sports. So I think that's a really, really good point, and I think you're totally right. And I really wish it would catch on because if, if I had it when I was in high school, oh my, I mean, geez, it would be – that would be I know. Amazing. Think of how good we would all be if, if we had done it – well, Matt did it in high school, and look at him. <laughs> well, I rode bikes. Well, but yeah, but you I didn't rode pedal bikes. bikes. I rode bikes. You, but that I mean, those skills that you learned while you were growing and developing carried over to now when you pedal bikes. Oh, right, yeah, definitely. And like learning how to do wheelies before I had to go to work the next day is a really big thing. Learning how to do wheelies when my bones are still rubber—that's a pretty big thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't have that fear your fear I, gene is I, not totally developed my fear gene is is pretty high but we uh so i did something yesterday that most consumers most typical consumers would have a big problem with and um i took a pair of 
So I did something almost naughty, and <laughs> I want to talk about this. I don't remember what you're talking about. So my Cannondale cross bike, I put my stands, oh, yeah. crest rims, laced to I-9 mountain hubs with disc brakes and all that crap. I put those on my disc brake cross bike, and Kenny built those wheels two years ago. And no joke, I've barely trued them the entire life of the wheels. It's It's been great. Not that they haven't had an easy life, or not that they've had an easy life. Oh, no. They probably have, if I just had to throw a number at it, 400 race miles on them. Um, and they've had some dropper seat post action on them. You know, like riding the hardtail with a dropper post has had crest wheels on it. I mean, that's... Like a BMX kid. That's a real thing. I've jumped them. I've, I've dented the front rim from cramming it into stuff, riding it rigid. And it's been great so far. Uh, but I got to really thinking about the, some of the guys I work with have made me really rethink road bikes and really rethink what they're capable of and, and what you should do with them. And it turns out that a, a couple of dudes that I work with are riding these really big, tired bikes and just hauling ass and doing big miles on them. And I say big tires, like 30 millimeters or larger, like looking for something, you know, over 30, under 40. And, I had the opportunity to get a pair of specialized tires that are 32 millimeter casing. And I put them, I was really wanting to run them on my crest, but I was really torn about it because the crests have a 50 PSI limit. And I hemmed and hauled about it. And then finally I realized if I was riding 32 millimeter cyclocross tires, I would never run 50 in them ever. Tubeless, tubed, whatever. I still wouldn't run 50. So I put them on there, and I ran the front one at 48 and the rear one at 52. I mean, okay, I exceeded the max pressure by 4%, right? Well, there's probably a 4% differential in gauges and whatever. Yeah, right? that's what I was going to say. Like, that that doesn't cover the, the margin of error in your pump gauge. But, and I went out and rode it, and damn, that thing was fast. Um, and that was on Saturday. So Sunday... Andrea and I set out to do a, a pretty big ride. Some of the guys I work with do it from down inside, like the full heart of Denver. And we did it from Golden, which is the, the very west side, right before you get to the foothills. But we rode from the house over Lookout Mountain, down to Evergreen, and then up Squaw Pass, which is a 22-mile climb. Like a very gradual 22-mile climb. Yeah, a gradual rolling, like probably f anywhere from 2 to 6% the whole yeah. way. It goes from, what was the elevation at Evergreen, like some, around like seven or 8,000? I think it was like 70, probably 75. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, like somewhere in the middle of those. And then the very top of Squaw Pass was before, like before you went back down to Echo Lake was 11,000. Yeah, so it so, did that over 20-something miles. Yeah. And from there at Echo Lake, we ate a bunch and then proceeded to climb the next nine miles to the top of Mount Evans. 14 miles. Yeah, 14. 14 miles to the top of Mount Evans. And I'll tell you what, you pass the 14-mile marker, and there's like three more switchbacks before the top. And those are the hardest three switchbacks of your life. But it was, <laughs> it was really... I didn't think they were that. I mean, well, no, it's just the fact that you're like, okay, 
14 miles and then you get to the 14 mile sign and you're like, no. And yeah, there's no. like two more switchbacks. <laughs> no, this is bad. Uh, I was having a pretty, I was deep into the struggle bus at this point. Um, and Andrea can attest to this extremely high spirits, but, <laughs> but knowing my limits and doing my very best to ride within them. So it took us six and a half hours, excluding our big stop. So we ran the garments for everything except for the big stop where we went in a store, got something to eat, and came out. Um, it was six and a half hours to the top of Mount Evans. And it was two and a half hours back to my house, excluding a stop at the same store. So descended back down to the store, refilled, refueled, and headed back out. And in Training Peaks, we had a 20-minute segment where we averaged 32 miles an hour <laughs> uh, going down squall pass. The, a lot of it, the speed limit is between 30 and 40 or all of it. The speed limit doesn't exceed 40 on squall pass. And there was one place that when cars passed us, I set up as I waved them around to make sure that they were going to get past us quick enough because we were doing 37. Um, and we just kept pedaling. And as it got, like as you go down, the bike lane disappears, and it says cyclists may use full lane, and and you basically outrun cars at that point, right? Because you end up where there's a thirty mile an hour speed limit, and there was like a fucking peachy cruiser behind us, which is the worst vehicle that's ever been made ever. Uh, I mean, it, there's dump trucks that go faster around corners than a peachy cruiser, <laughs> uh, but. We outran the cars all the way down, except I was drilling it. And as we go around this corner, like I like it was like an S curve, and I like hit all the apexes and was like bending it through the corner and was like and hard I was on keeping the, up and hard on the gas though. Like I was really driving it, and uh, I broke a spoke. On my mountain wheels, and I was road. I was close enough that I heard it, and I immediately sat up and braked as hard as I could safely because I thought he'd blown a tire, and I would have run over him if he wrecked. Like I expected him to be slowing down very quickly, so I slowed down very quickly. Um, but I broke a spoke, and I, at first I I didn't know what was going on, and then like I looked, and like my wheel was wobbling a little bit, and stopped, and sure enough, it was broken so i hard bent it around two other spokes and we just took off hauling ass again and it gave me no issues but the thing that most people would have said is these wheels like this is stupid these wheels like say that they're made for 50 psi and i put 50 psi in them and i, I fucking broke them well no i rode like hundreds of race miles on these wheels i've jumped them I've landed on them sideways in corners. I've raged them over water bars. I've square edge case shit on them. I've just raged the absolute living hell out of them. And then one day when I'd done at this point, like, like, and the top of Mount Evans is bumpy. It hurts. Um, I had done probably like 8,000 feet of hard road descending, just like plowing into shit. And finally a spoke broke. I didn't break a spoke. Because of road riding, I broke a spoke over the cumulative effort. And I was like, oh, I was just riding along and my spoke broke. <laughs> well, yeah, you were. But you weren't just riding along and broke a spoke on a brand new wheel set. There you go. Yeah. Do you have anything to add to the 
to the. Have you ever seen any problems running like around max tire pressure on a rim like that? Uh, are you talking to me? Yeah. <laughs> Kenny is spaced. I don't know. Uh, so basically, the more pressure you add, uh, the more the rim deforms and the lower your spoke tension is going to be. Yes. And so, yes, yes and no. Um, I have definitely certain tire and certain rim combinations. You really just have to check them. So remember, like, that velocity set that we built you, the yes. way that they're designed, and they're also softer rims. Like, I built them up to 100 kilograms. You mount a road tire on them, and they go to, like, 50 kilograms. So that's really sketchy. Other rims only drop, say, 10%. They might go from 100 kilograms to 90 kilograms. Uh, of force on the spokes so it really depends um some lighter weight carbon stuff that i've built uh they actually deform quite a bit when you mount a tubeless tire to them like 20 percent or so um it, it really just depends so i mean if you want to be smart you need to build them to what the rim manufacturer tells you to and then mount up like build it perfectly mount up a tire fully seated up however you're going to do it with a tube or tubeless however you're going to do it and then test it again with the tensiometer and just see and if you lose like 10 percent or so or maybe even 20 percent, you probably just don't even want to mess with it but if you're losing more than that maybe go ahead and tighten everything up just a little bit more so with a tire off of it you'll actually be over tensioned uh, but with it on it will be okay and manufacturers i've asked a few of them about this and they're really back and forth about it some say, yeah, if that's the case, go ahead and bring the tension up. And some say, hey, absolutely don't ever bring the tension up no matter what. Uh, even if it's low with a tire mounted, you should only build it. You should only tension it without a tire on. Like so max means max. Yeah, yeah. But because what, what can happen is, and they're, and they're right, is the second you unmount that tire, it's very counterintuitive, but you unmount the tire and the tension is going to go up on the wheel. Right. Uh, I actually had a wheel. It was a... What was it? Was it a zip maybe? I don't remember what it was. It was some kind of carbon wheel. And I unmounted the tire, and the second the tire went down in the middle channel, a spoke just exploded out of the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, damn. So it wasn't a wheel that I built. I think it was uh I think it was an Envy. I'm pretty sure it was oh, an Envy. Oh man. I'm not talking bad about an Envy. It's just it's an interesting case because I don't have the right answer, and I don't think that anybody necessarily has the right answer to it. Uh, but I think you should just be cognizant that certain wheel and tire combos have a much bigger deformation rate than others. So if you're ever curious about it, just check, you know. So, hey, you got that, you know, that race gold with a super tight fitting tire on it. Maybe you should like check what the tension is when it's mounted up because it might be so low that you're going to break spokes. And we've talked about this before, but generally the reason you break spokes is because you're either running complete wrong size spoke or a sketchy spoke or a china spoke, or it's tensioned extremely low, not because it's tensioned extremely high. Usually if it's really high, you end up breaking the rim itself or you break the nipple. You generally don't break a spoke because it's over-tensioned. Uh, but when it's under-tensioned, you absolutely do because the spoke sits there and tensions and detensions and tensions, and it snaps back and forth all the time, and it puts tons of dynamic stress on the spoke. So... And then uh, right there at the first thread, it pops off. It can break in many places. You know, J-Bend is a, a classic place for one to bend. And it generally is because it just reached its fatigue life. And it's going to reach its fatigue life faster if it's 
under-tensioned, which is, again, it seems counterintuitive, uh, but it sees really, really high dynamic loads because it snaps from having tension to no tension and back and forth all the time. But if you have really high tension on the entire system, and it, like, for example, imagine if you had a really, really insanely strong rim hoop uh, that would be so strong and thick that it would be so heavy nobody would ever make one. But imagine you had that. You could build a wheel that never deformed. It would ride like a log ride, but you probably never break spokes. Um, so it's just give and take. Thing. I mean, you couldn't ride the damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, anyway, that's uh, that's really all I got on the spoke breaking thing. I man, I see. Again, I don't have a right answer because I see so much stuff. I see I've seen broken spokes in pretty much everything, just like in the same way that in frames. I see the nicest frames. I've seen broken moots frames. I've seen broken. Cannondale carbon, Trek carbon, specialized carbon. I've seen broken steel, broken aluminum. I've seen stuff break at head tubes and dropouts and like in the middle of a damn tube. Anywhere you can possibly imagine something Seat broken. Stays. I've seen everything in the world broken. So just because you break a spoke, like don't freak out. Uh, because you don't know what life that spoke led, or maybe you did, but even if you know roughly how you treated it and how it was built, you might not realize that at one point in your ride, that spoke literally sawed a one inch stick in half you, heard it, <laughs> you know you heard it bounce through your rear wheel you glance no broken spoke wheels true no you know everything looks good uh i'm just gonna keep riding but you know hey that thing that spoke got a giant check mark on its history you know and it had saw some huge load for a split second um and while it didn't break it's just about to and then you know uh it's just kind of a ticking time bomb at that point so yeah, I mean, I wouldn't take it as God. Just because you see some broken spoke on some baller wheel doesn't necessarily mean it's a piece of crap. Um, so, you know, if you see a like a whole bunch of broken spokes, there's a problem with the system. And that's the stuff that I that I see on shitty wheels. So a lot of OE wheels that have like straight China spokes, you'll see like they'll come in and they have four broken drive side spokes <laughs> or something like that. And it's very obvious at that point that the wheel was either insanely under-tensioned or they're just complete pieces of shit spokes. And I've seen both of those. So I, I've got uh, I got a carbon tubular in the shop to glue a cyclocross tire to. And uh, it's like a China carbon rim, a Novatech hub, and straight gauge 2.0 spokes. Uh-huh. Tubular. Yeah, it's like a – what would be a nice tubular wheel – and it's got like these like freaking tractor spokes on it. Hey, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I'm rich, bitch. It's like, wow, you <laughs> saved a bunch of money, didn't you? <laughs> uh, funny stuff. But my the moral of the story is for me is if you see a singular broken spoke, do not overthink it. It is what it is. Go ahead and fix it. If you keep having a rack spoke, that's probably an issue. But if you have a single broken spoke. Hey, it's part. It's par for the course. Don't freak out, and you know, just go on with your life. Yeah, that's what I did. Unless it's one of those like those wheels that has like eight spokes in it. Yeah, unless it's a well, Mavic yeah. wheel and you've broken a spoke, and then you have to beat it on the ground and shit to keep riding. <laughs> uh, hey, I mean that is a downside. I like building low spoke count wheels because it's just like sketchy. Those, I like those Rolf. Uh, I think they're 16. Prima vectors. Yeah, the like Prima. 16 in the front and like oh, 16 God. in the back. I turned a guy away with one of those the other day. 
But I mean, it's, it really is a problem. I and mean, it's one of the advantages to having, say, you know, a 32 or 36 hole rim. If you break a spoke, you could probably just keep riding it. It's really not a big deal, especially if it's carbon. Uh, it's going to be totally fine. It's going to be a tiny bit out of true, but you're not going to like permanently deform the thing. But if you have a low spoke count wheel, especially an aluminum wheel, and you pop a spoke and you continue to ride it, it's probably going to stay permanently deformed at that point. Um, I've seen a lot of people with zips. I'm not talking bad about zips, you know, in the grand scheme of things. I think they're quite, they're quite good wheels. Um, you know, people, stuff happens. You hit giant potholes, all kinds of stuff. For the most part, they're actually pretty decent. Uh, but when one does come in with a broken spoke, man, holy crap. I mean, it's like rubbing their frame. Like you pretty much can't even ride the bike anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Just based on my one experience with the Rolf, uh, Primo wheel. Like it was when I was at outdoors, a dude brought one in with like two broken spokes and I hunted down the right length spokes and everything and replaced them. Tensioned it exactly. Like I think I even called like wherever I ordered the spokes from, I think it might've been wheel builder or something. Like I actually found out what the tension should be and I tensioned them properly and they were like true and even. And I was really surprised that everything turned out so well. And then he almost immediately broke more spokes. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm never going to do that again. Oh, uh, wow, that's funny. Yeah. And I didn't. Like, someone came in the shop with one with a broken spoke, and I told him, I was like, yeah, you know, I I haven't had very good luck with that, with uh, with trying to replace spokes in those. It's the same way, and I, I talked about it earlier, but some of the OE wheels, you know, uh, Cannondale and Scott has been pretty bad about it. Uh, some of the 29er wheels that they put out the door on, like, that $500 bike, they're really just awful, awful shitty wheels. They have 1.8 straight gauge spokes with like, you know, cheese strength rim hoops. Cheese? Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> and a uh, customer comes in and they've got six broken spokes. Oh. And I'm like, look, I can replace them, but you're just going to break more spokes. Yeah. And I replace them. And they come back in and they've got four more broken spokes. And they're not the spokes that I replace because I replace them with like, say, a DT Swiss competition, just run of the mill, nice double butted spoke, pretty cheap. Uh, and they just keep breaking them. And then eventually you rebuild the whole wheel with DT competition spokes. And then, oh, wow, you know, miracle of miracles, you don't break any more spokes. Um, so that's definitely a case of when you break a whole bunch, you're probably about to break a whole bunch more. Uh, and don't buy China spokes. Yeah, and really just carbon probably, spokes. Who's that that's making the carbon Supreme. spokes? Supreme. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see that? I haven't messed with them yet. No. They they require a special hub with a bigger hole in them. I got gotcha. you. Really? I re, I really I do think the that there's there's probably something to that. Um, I would actually I'm a huge advocate of especially with carbon wheels you can make them so damn strong. I'm a big advocate of having a larger like a larger end of the spoke and like a, a much bigger size nipple where like you don't, you're not as likely to round them off and all the other whack shit that happens. Cause I think you're, we're kind of pushing the limit of how much tension you can get on a regular nipple. Cause they really do end up rounding off and it like freaking sucks. So yeah. these carbon wheels that want to be built to like 120 plus kilograms, it's difficult to do. Like it feels sketchy. Like you think you're pushing it because you really yeah, are. It's like at that you have to use brass nipples or else like alloy ones just aren't going to hack it. Pretty much, pretty much. But I'd like to see a bigger, just like a bigger set of wrench flats on there and just make the thing a little bigger. It's all, it's only going to weigh a couple more grams. And then you can do really cool stuff. Like you can have 
you know, real big interface there, like, you know, a 2.2 millimeter and that kind of stuff exists already, but, you know, have a 2.2 millimeter thread and uh 2.2 mil J band, that kind of stuff. I think that could be really cool. Uh, so I, Hey, I'm, I'm totally uh, open to all those kind of new things just because we do it, how we do it today and it works. Okay. Doesn't necessarily mean there's not a better way of doing it. Uh, but I mean, Hey, you go a lower spoke count, even if they're carbon, and there's an issue with one and, you know, hey, let's say the wheel can totally get away strength wise with having whatever, say 10 spokes. When one of those does inevitably break, like it's not the spokes fault, but like you run over a freaking log and the log goes in the wheel <laughs> because it can fit between 10 spokes. Log, log. Um, yeah. It's bigger. It's, big, than it's heavy. It's wood. It's long, long. It's better than bad. It's good. But it then rolls you break downstairs. Your... It works as a chair. <laughs> Rolls over your neighbor's dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's great for a snack. It fits on your back. It's long, long, long. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we should probably end the show with that. That that is that is a good skit. But yeah, if you break your like one of ten carbon spokes, even though they're the most baller ass spokes in the world, hey, it's not the spokes' fault. You ran over a log, it ripped one clean out, and then all of a sudden your bike's like completely unrideable because, like. I mean, there's no way that a rim is going to hold its hold its own with nine out of ten spokes. Well, and more just, so than that, it's not just nine out of ten. It's four of five on the drive side still working. So you're asking eighty exactly. percent of the drive side still to work, and that was a beautiful thing. I broke a thirty-two hole. I broke a single spoke on a thirty-two hole. I no joke went back to pinning it at like forty-five miles an hour. I just didn't give a shit. Like <laughs> that's. That's like really what happens. I mean, it it just didn't matter. Whereas if I'd had a Mavic wheel, like a low spoke wheel, then it would have just been problems. And I say that because I've been nearly stranded on rides before from a Mavic wheel, so I can talk shit about Mavic wheels all I want. <laughs> but that there's was, something to be said. I'm all for wacky shit and like low spoke count stuff and like pushing the limits and like actually seeing for yourself what you can get away with. But at the same time, you can't deny that just like a good old three cross 32 hole 29 or wheel is going to be pretty damn good. It might not be the lightest thing on the block, but like, Hey, it's going to be pretty good. You do break a spoke, not the end of the world. You can probably finish your ride. So, you know, when you're looking at this real sketchy stuff, just keep that stuff in the back of your mind. If it's something you're willing to risk, Hey, cool, do it. But you know, again, just because the vast majority of the world runs 32 hole wheels doesn't mean a bad thing. Yep. Boom. All right. Well, is that a? I'm kind of tired. Yep. We we went on way longer than I thought we were. Thirty two spokes, and I got me a few on. If anyone wants to um, put on a video, don't cut anyone's man bun off. I, I've I haven't even watched that YouTube video, but I know. Like I I don't want to see people doing that. Man buns are funny. Um, occasionally the men with the buns are nice looking. Um, so, you know, I like all of his buns. <laughs> so if you just want to, like, if you want to have fun with man buns, just like take a picture, um, tweet it to mountain bike radio, uh, tweet it to full face Kenny or me. It's uh brick house MTB on Twitter. Matt is beanpole Matt tweet it to us. Or at least just a mountain bike radio, and he'll he'll retweet it. We'll you see have it. to have these two. You have to tag it in two ways. One less armadillo. Yeah, it's got to be like anytime you tweet 
a picture of a man bun in the wild um, to wow. us. Just tweet it to us with one less armadillo, and you will see one less armadillo on your night rides. It is decreed. Real talk. <laughs> so, pics of man buns in the wild. That's your mission until the next episode of JRA. Which, next week, you'll be gone, so there probably won't be a next week's episode. Yeah, I'm going to be off at, um, on my way to 24-Hour Worlds. I am going as crew person for Tim Lutz, who, um, he should do pretty well. I know he's been training hard, and he is a fast and very, very... Driven. Driven individual. Uh, He has the mental capacity to beat people that are physically stronger than him. Um, So, you know, he's... He looks at that 24-hour race and says, I just can't quit you. (laughs) Yeah. He is definitely uh, not a quitter. So well, that works well because I'm going to be out of town. Okay. Well, yeah. This is your. That's good that we went a little uh, overtime. Then that means that people will be satisfied and we'll get lots of man bun photos. So we should probably tell people now that they only need to listen to half the show this week. Okay. And then listen to half next week. Cause that tell, them, that tell them now at the end. <laughs> tell them at yeah, the end yeah, of the show. Yeah, yeah. Tell them right now. Like, yeah, yeah. sorry, some, people. Some people Go back and listen to the second half next week. Well, there's probably that one person that skips to the end because they want to like get a little nugget of knowledge, and then they hear that, and they're like, oh, cool. I wonder how we got to here, and they start over. <laughs> they make our fucking podcast like a Tarantino film. Man, Ben should chop one up like that and just like narrate in between all of them, like play you know, five minutes of something in the middle, and then he'll be like, he can just be like, part one and then play the first five minutes and then like skip to the last five minutes and be like part eight and then just skip around like that just break it all into five minute parts and he can just go through and a listener would like probably drive to wheat ridge cyclery and set me on fire (laughs) (laughs) most likely yeah i think we're we're add enough that like <laughs> Splitting it no up. No like one would, would notice. <laughs> it might make the show more coherent. I have no idea. <laughs> All right. Well, um, you have. What's the car talk thing? You've wasted another perfectly good hour listening to just riding along. I don't know. Yeah. It's, I listened to, it's I listened like to car talk for the first time the other day, and they just are now replaying the old episodes since the gentleman passed away, and it's it's kind of sad. But they're good, though. Yeah, it's still really good. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening. Um, take pictures of man buns and tweet them to Mountain Bike Radio with the hashtag OneLessArmadillo. Uh, and good night. Thanks for listening. <laughs>